0: You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Cobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. The book of Daniel tonight, chapter number three. And uh, let me say just a word about that song. Uh, the fellow that wrote that song is a member of our church our brother Kurt LeBeau, and he's a traveling singer and evangelist, and Kurt is blind physically, but he is not blind spiritually. But a little background of that song, he and I were in a meeting together, uh, and it must have been a sick meeting because everybody there was a doctor. <laughs> and everybody there was so proud of themselves and their ministries and their churches and all the wonderful things, you know. Uh, you know. Some people are legends in their own time, and some are legends in their own mind. Can I get a witness? And it really got nauseating after about two days of bragging on themselves and everything, and I turned and looked at Kurt, and I said, man, I wish somebody would give God the glory around here, and he went to his hotel room that night, And come back the next morning with that song, Give Him the Glory. I didn't write it, but I had a part in it. And that's my claim to fame. But the Lord is good. And I've enjoyed being back in R&R and enjoying the blessings of the Lord. Now, I don't know who those young ladies was that sang in that quartet. But Brian, at least one of them have to be eligible for Joseph. Uh, Joseph Moats needs a wife. So one of them should be available. Now he can only marry one at a time, but at least one of them. I mean, we sent, you know, we sent his picture to the Lonely Hearts Club and they sent it back and said, we ain't that lonely yet. But uh, surely one of them. So you four ladies come see me. I'm taking applications and Joseph will be here on a couple of Sunday nights and uh, he's a little ugly, but you know, you can, you can do something with that. And uh, so, uh, so you just propose to him while he's here. And uh, he may take you up on it. Praise the Lord. You have not because you ask not. And I tell people all the time, my wife used to just beg me to take her out. <laughs> and that was a lie, and I had to quit telling it. Amen. But uh, I enjoy being here. I love your city, and I love the church. I love you, Pastor. And I love you, and I'm glad you're here. I love people. I really do. I love people. And God has blessed me with a wonderful life to get to bump shoulders with God's people nearly every day. And I'm thankful for the goodness of the Lord. And the Lord is better to us than we ever deserve. And I'm thankful for his mercy, his love, and his grace and all I want to say is, after the end of that song, well, glory. He is worthy of giving him the glory. The book of Daniel tonight, chapter number three. And for a few moments, I want you to give me your heart and your mind. I'm going to preach to you like I would as I, as I pastor a church. I, I preach every day somewhere as a traveling preacher, but I, for 39 years, I've been pastor there at Harvest Baptist Tabernacle and I got a pastor's heart and it's going to come out here in a minute. And I hope tonight the message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you as you struggle through this walk of life. Now if you're in this room tonight and your life is perfect and you don't have any problems and you've never been hurt by anyone, this message is going to be very boring. But if you're here tonight, you're like the rest of us. Sometimes life deals a bitter blow. I believe tonight I got something from the word that'll encourage your heart and help you along the journey. Daniel chapter number three, a very, very familiar passage of the word of God. These Hebrew boys have been in the fiery furnace because they would not bow to the pressure of their day. And we know the story of how it ends. God delivered them. And can I just say to you tonight that he still delivers his children. We're not victims, we're victors. The Bible said we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. God's church is not some ragtag army holding out to the end. We're the born again, spirit baptized, blood washed, Holy Ghost sealed. I'm feeling good. Heaven bound children of the living God. And God still delivers his children. In the text tonight, chapter number 3 and verse number 27, notice what it says about the deliverance of these three Hebrew children. Daniel chapter 3, verse number 27 and the princes, and the governors, and the captains, and the king's counselors, being gathered together, saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair, and if you don't have no more than I do, you really appreciate this verse of scripture. Say amen right there. Amen. Neither was nor hair of their head singed Neither were their coats changed. And I want you to underline this. Say it out loud with me. This will be our text tonight. Say it with me. Nor the smell of fire had passed on them. It says that their hair was not singed. It says that their clothes or their raiment was not altered. It said the fire had no power on their bodies. And then it said, on top of all of those wonderful descriptions, they didn't even smell like they had been through that fire. Now, that is a miracle tonight. Uh, Not just the fact that their bodies were not hurt, not just the fact that their hair was not singed, not just the fact that their clothes or their raiment was not altered. But to me, that they didn't even smell like the fire or the smoke, that is a miracle of all miracles. Because if you've ever been around fire much, it is almost impossible to get around it and not smell like the smoke. How many of you tonight like Mexican food? How many you like those fajitas? I love those chicken fajitas and, and I'm telling you, when they come, they're on fire and they're smoking. And all them peppers and all them onions is down there simmering and when you leave the Mexican restaurant after eating a plate of fajitas, you do not have to tell somebody I've been eating fajitas because three days later you smell <laughs> like you've been eating the fajitas. In fact, if you go after Sunday morning and eat the fajitas and wear the same clothes, you'll still smell like it on Sunday night. In fact, I believe somebody in this section ate some today because I'm smelling it this way. People talk about the garbage collector. I grew up out here in frog level and when I lived there, there was no garbage collector. You are looking at the garbage collector We would collect it and burn it in a barrel. I feel so sorry for young people today that don't get to play with fire like I did when I was a child. I mean, it was really awesome to collect those weeks and weeks of trash, put them in that big burn barrel, take some charcoal fluid. Yes, man, I'm feeling it all over. Throwing that match in there. Now, usually I would get a cigarette from one of the deacons, but (laughs) sometimes... My daddy said his church was Old Testament. They were out on the front porch sending up smoke signals. But anyway, and uh, but we'd burn that trash. Uh, how many's ever burned trash in a burn barrel? Or you burn leaves? It is totally impossible to be around much of a fire and not smell like it. But yet these men in this text went through the fiery trial of their faith, and on the other side, they did not even smell like the smoke. And for the next few moments, as God would give us utterance, I wanna preach to you on how to go through the fire and not smell like smoke. How to go through the fiery trials of hurt and pain and not smell like smoke. Let me give you four things in the text quickly about these Hebrew children. Number one in the text tonight, I want you to see their temptation. The wicked king and the wicked political system of the day made an image and they put pressure on these men to bow down and worship this image. But pastor, it's more than just bowing down and worshiping an image. Literally what they wanted to do, they wanted them to turn their back on the God of their forefathers. He wanted them to turn their back on the God that had blessed them and helped them. The God that they had loved and served and worshipped. He just wants them to denounce God and turn their back upon God. And I want to say today, ladies and gentlemen, a lot has not changed in this text. There is a force let loose on this world like never before. And the aim of the enemy and the results that he wants in your life and in mine is for simply you and I tonight to disown God. Turn our back on God and leave God out of our life. You know, I don't know what avenue the trouble and the trial may walk up to get to you. But I promise you tonight, the devil's ultimate purpose and goal is for all of us in this room tonight to sever the tie and deny God and turn our back upon God. Sad to say, there are some in this hour that have fallen for Satan's trap. They have left God totally out of their life. They have forgotten the God that has been so good to them. They have turned their back on the dearest friend they've ever had. And can I just ask you this tonight? Why would anybody wanna turn their back on a friend like Jesus why would you want to turn your back on somebody that's blessed you well beyond what you deserve? But that temptation comes to all of us. Just turn your back on God and leave God out of your life. That was their temptation. But number two in the text, I want you to see their testimony. You know what they said to the king And they even said it like this, we are not careful to answer thee. We are not gonna do this today and we're not gonna do this tomorrow. We cannot deny our faith. We cannot deny our God. We cannot turn our back on our Lord, on our King, on our Savior. No, not today. I believe if they'd have been in this modern day, they may even would have said, read my lips. No, and I mean no. They said no matter the price, no matter the cost, no matter the consequences, we've come too far to turn back now. We cannot deny our king. We will not deny our savior if it cost us our life. No, we are not going that route. I believe tonight that the church in this hour needs some men and women and boys and girls that will stand with that testimony and say, I will not defame my Savior. I will not knife my Bible. I will not dip my colors. I will not turn my back on God by the help of Jesus Christ and the love of God and the Holy Spirit. I will stay true. I will still faithful. I will walk with him. I will serve him. Because let me tell you something tonight, he is worthy of our faithfulness and he is worthy of our service. They would not bow to the king's command. The temptation, then their testimony. Number three in the text, I want you to see their trial. Can I remind you tonight when that king told them, if you don't bow to this image, if you don't deny your God, if you don't assimilate the culture of Babylon, I'm gonna put all of you in the fiery furnace. And the king and the text pastor makes good on his word. Except when he comes to these three Hebrew boys, he's even more indignant He's even more angry. And he has his servants to turn the fire up seven times hotter. The devil turned the heat up on them. In the moment of testing, in the moment of trial, in the moment of action, the devil turned up the heat. Can Brother Joe just tell you what's happening in America? The devil's turning up the heat. He's turning up the heat on the church. He's turning up the heat on the Christian family. He's turning the heat on the minds and the bodies of the next generation. He's turning the heat of persecution up and the heat of moral failure up and the devil's turning the heat up. But I wanna tell you, we need some Christians in this hour. No matter how high the devil turns up the heat, let's stay true to God, let's walk with God because it's worth it to go through the fire because of the other side, you'll be better off than you were before. The trial, they turned up the heat. Brother, the heat was so hot that it literally killed the men that threw the Hebrew boys into the fire. Let me tell you something tonight, salvation is free. And we all better be glad it is free. Whoop because there is nothing you and I could ever do to earn one breath of God's heavenly air, one stroll down Glory Hallelujah Street. We could never buy or earn any day of salvation. It's through the blood of Christ. It's through the finished work of the cross. And I'm glad salvation is free. Jesus paid it all. But can I tell you, if you take a stand for God, if you make a conscience choice to live a dedicated, holy, consecrated, separated Christian life, there is a price to pay. There are fires we'll go through. There'll be trials we'll go through. There'll be heartaches to go through. But man, God spoke to me about 4.30 this morning. He said, son, no matter how deep your valley, how high your mountain, how heavy your burden, it Ain't I drop in the bucket to what I did for you when I took your place and died for you on Calvary. Yes, there is the fiery trial. Yes, there are the hurts and the disappointments of life, but I'd still rather be an old time Christian than anything I know because he's got him the good times and he's got him the bad times and the fiery trial of my faith will not make me a worse Christian by the good grace of God. It amazing Make me a better Christian. This is just my introduction. I see their temptation. I see their test. I see their trial. Oh, but I want you to see in the text their triumph. They didn't bow. They didn't bend. And they didn't burn. Somebody ought to write a song on that. They didn't bow, they didn't bend, they didn't burn. They made it. They survived it. They lived to tell about it. You see, God was real to them before the fire. God was real to them during the fire. And God was real to them after the fire. They belonged to God before the fire. They belonged to God during the fire and they belonged to God after the fire. They were God's children before the fire. They were God's children during the fire and they were still God's children after the fire. They loved God before the fire. They loved God during the fire and they love God after the fire. They served the Lord before, they served the Lord doing, and they served the Lord after. They were on the winning side before, they're on the winning side during, and they're on the winning side after. They were more than conquerors before, they were more than conquerors doing, and they're still more than conquerors after. God had their best interest in mind before, God had their best interest in mind during, and God had their best interest in mind after. They lived to tell about it. There is the other side of the affliction. There is the other side of the fiery trial. There is the other side of your faith, and what you're going through tonight, and what you have been through in your life will not defeat you. It will not destroy you. It will will not be the end of you, it'll be the tool of a sovereign God to elevate you to the next level in your life and you'll be a testimony that I went through the flame, I went through the fire, I went through the disappointment, I went through the loss, I went through the bankruptcy, I went through the divorce, I went through the hurt, I went through the bitterness, but I came out on the other side and I wasn't altered in a bad way and I didn't even smell like smoke. In fact, there is is victory in Jesus before, during, and after the storms of life. And they came through that fire, and their clothes were not messed up. Their hair was not singed, nor the little bumps where they used to have hair were not singed. And they didn't even smell like the smoke. They ate chicken fajitas and didn't even smell it. They went through the burn barrel but didn't even smell it. They went through the fiery trial seven times hotter than normal. But on the other side, they had so much faith. They had so much deliverance. They had so much blessing and victory that they didn't even have the smell of smoke upon their life. You said that's a good outline. Where's the application? Are you ready? Here it is. Most of the time, 99% of the time, you can tell when people have gone through hard times. You can tell when they've gone through very hurtful, painful times. Because it's natural and it's our natural tendency most of the time when we go through pain, sorrow, hurt, whatever form, to have the smell of anger and bitterness and resentment and disappointment and malice and wrath. Sad to say the fire does have at times a negative effect upon us. And because sometimes on the other side of the fire, if we, I didn't say you, I said we, if we are not careful, we'll become angry. Revenge and bitterness And can I remind you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, that anger and bitterness and revenge stinks worse than fire? And it comes out in the way they talk, it comes out in the way they act. Worst, it comes out in the way that they treat others. Can I tell you this tonight? Old time godly Holy Ghost filled Christian living won't hurt anybody. Forgiveness and love and mercy and grace will never hurt anybody. But will you listen to Brother Joe a minute tonight? Anger and bitterness and revenge and regret and disappointment not only will he eat you alive and destroy your joy and weaken your faith, but it will damage, it will hurt other people that are in your life. If you're not careful, you'll take out your anger and your bitterness and your frustration that you have towards somebody and you'll take it out on everybody else around you. That's smelling like bitterness. That's smelling like revenge. That's smelling like anger. And I don't believe that pleases the Lord. You say, but preacher, we're human. So were they. But preacher, they were special to God. So are you. One preacher said, you need to quit telling people they're special to God. I said, well, sir, anybody that Jesus bled the death for on a cross of Calvary and saved their soul from a devil's hell, they must mean something to him. Can I run a rabbit real quick? It's good to be saved. It's good to be born again. And it's so good not to be a Calvinist. Can you imagine them nitwits? Jesus died for them and a few of their buddies. And Let me tell you what the Bible said. He tasted death for every man. It's whosoever will let him come. Someone said, how special you are to God. I'll tell you how. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But God commended his love toward us. I felt like preaching that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I'm feeling so good, I may come back tomorrow night. You won't be here, but I'll be here. I'm here to tell you ladies and gentlemen, God, he, You are special to him. But you say, preacher, I'm human. So were they, but they were special to God. So were you. But brother Joe, you don't understand the pain and the hurt and the anger and the disappointment and the abuse. No, I don't understand all of that. But I do know according to the Bible, we can walk through the fires of hurt and the fires of loss and the fires of pain and the fires of bitterness and come out on the other side and not smell with the stench of bitterness and anger and hatred. It's possible to go through the fire and not smell like the smoke. In 39 years of pastoring the same church, my office, you know what goes on in the in the preacher's office. And we sat there and we cancel and we pray and we talk. There's been times when the conversation was over. The office was filled with the odor and the smoke of anger and bitterness and revenge. You saw oh, Brother Joe, your problem is, is you ain't never gone through nothing. Really? about like that fellow was gonna jump off of a bridge and that policeman on his beat said, don't do that, please don't do that. Let's sit out there and talk a while. And so they sat there and talked about an hour and after about an hour, they both jumped off of the bridge. Surely we've all gone through. I may be up here in this pulpit preaching, but I live in the same world that you live in. I gotta be very careful here because we're on the World Wide Web. Hello, world. But I left this meeting in 2019. And the very next week, I was preaching in Benson, North Carolina, down the road here a little bit, redneck capital of the world. They passed frog level. It's a bad down there. And uh, come home from church. Well, come to the motel room that night about 10.30, and my phone rang. And from that, from that Wednesday night, of, 19, of 2019, the second week of June, the devil's not let up. He has not let up on my family. He has not let up on our health, our families, our church families. It's been one disappointment, one heartache, one bomb, one setback, one just awful experience after another. And it gets to the point you're afraid to answer your phone. What's next when your wife has cried more than she's cried the whole time you've been married? And you feel like every time you get through something, here comes another wave and here comes another punch. And boy, if you're not careful, you'll start going, how much? And oh, you don't wanna never ask, what's next? You don't wanna know what's next. And I'm gonna tell you, pain and setback, disappointment, all of those things piled up. It's hard, it's ugly, it's nasty, and it stinks and it burns and it hurts and it cuts to the bone, it's embarrassing and all the other adjectives. But I'm here to tell you the Bible is real and the Holy Spirit is real and the blood of Christ is real and Jesus Christ is real and the Bible means what it says. We are more than conquerors and if God be for us, who can be against us? And if you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due season because all things still work together for good. To them that love God, to them who are to call according to his purpose and where sin does abound, grace does much more abound. He's still holding us. He's still helping us. He's still loving us. I'm telling you tonight, in spite of the hurt, in spite of the pain, in spite of the embarrassment, in spite of the hurt, it still pays to serve God. I'd still rather be an old time I'm Christian than anything I know, and you can go through the worst trial of your life and not smell like anger and bitterness and resentment on the other side. You said I don't believe it's possible. Well, when you get to heaven, talk to Brother Joseph. He'd love to fill you in. Joseph went through about anything a man could go through, forsaken by his family, framed by his foes, forgotten by his friends, went down to the pit, went down to Potiphar's, wind up in prison. Oh, but one day, hallelujah, whoop, in God's own time, Joseph goes to the throne just like God said. He reveals himself to those brethren And when he reminds them, he's the one they rejected. He's the one they sold into slavery. He's the one they sold out to Potiphar. And they looked at Joseph and they began to tremble. And Pastor Kobernak, they said, Joseph, are you gonna kill us now? Are you gonna kill us now? And Joseph said, oh no, no. He said, am I in the place of God? In other words, I'm not gonna play God in your life or mine. Newsflash, the greatest day in your life, somebody in this room needs to hear this, the greatest day in your life and in the life of your family is when you quit playing God in your life and everybody else's life. Can I remind you, he's God by himself. He's the king by himself. He's the Lord by himself. And God does not need my help to make him God. Am I on the place of God? Joseph says, no, I'm not gonna kill you. Let me tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna nourish you. I'm gonna be good to you. And I'm gonna be good to your children and your children's children. And then he comes out with this statement. And I can't hardly give it to you for crying. He said, let me tell you, what you meant for evil, God meant it for good what you meant to destroy me and what the devil meant to destroy me. God, he meant it for good and he's turned my life around and God has done this to save much people alive. God's gotten glory out of my trial. God's gotten glory out of my hurt for what you did in evil. God turned it around and meant it for good. Lord, there's somebody in this room tonight, you feel like the whole world's against you. You'll fail. Is against you. Your friends are against you. Everybody's done you in, done you wrong. You're about to fall in the towel, but can I remind you what the world means for evil, what the devil means for evil? Standing somewhere in the shadows is a sovereign, righteous, holy God, and he means it for good, and you're still more than a conqueror, and you may go to the pit, you may go to the prison, you may go to the Potiphar's, but bless God, one day you're going to the palace. God will keep his word. You say, well, Brother Joe, that's really great, man. That's an old, but that's an Old Testament illustration. I, I'm really into this New Testament stuff. Well, great, I got a New Testament one for you. It's impossible to go through the fire and not smell like smoke, really? Well, let me ask you this Have you ever heard of this man who did no wrong but good? Have you ever heard of this man? who when he was reviled, reviled not again. Have you ever heard of this man that even the wickedest man in the kingdom said, I find no fault in him? And what did they do to the most perfect man that ever walked on earth? They smote him. They scourged him. They spit on him. And they nailed him to a cross. They dropped that cross in the hole in the ground and with a mighty thug, it shook. And there he hangs has an open skeptical between heaven and earth and hell. And they walked by and even in this dying hour, they spit on him some more and mocked him some more and said, if you are who you say you are, come down. You ever heard of him? His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I lift him up a minute? the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, the bright in the morning star, the king of every king and the lord of every lord, the great I am, the water of life, the bread of life, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, the king, the potentate, my lord, my savior, my anchor, my blessed assurance, my fountain, my branch, my true vine, whoop, the best friend I've ever had. That's who I'm talking about. They lifted him up with spit and sweat and blood running down his face and his lips charred by the sun. And they say, if you are who you are, come down. Save yourself and us. And silence falls over that hillside. Silence falls over that hillside. And those Roman soldiers sneer and say, look, he won't even say anything. He won't even take up for himself. Look at him, look at him. About that time, brother, the lips of our Savior begin to move. The birds are not singing. The leaves are not tapping each other. Total silence falls across that hillside. And the parched lips of our Savior begin to quiver. And the whole world, the whole universe, anticipates what this man is going to say in the darkest hour of his life when the sins of the whole world have placed upon him what is he going to say in the most painful, hurtful, darkest hour of his life, what is a man going to say? Is he gonna say, Condemn him? Is he gonna say, Hell, open your gates and let him in? Is he gonna batch A batch of angels, come down and slay them like you did the enemies of Hezekiah. Hell, open your mouth and swallow them like you did the rebellious sons of Korah. What is he gonna say in the most hurtful, darkest hour of his life? And his lips begin to move. And what comes out of his mouth ought to humble all of us tonight. Father, Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Well, I'm not the forgiven kind. Well, you better be glad he is. Well, all day right now, Pastor, I might be the forgiving kind, but they're gonna have to ask me if they get some. You better be glad he didn't wait for nobody to ask. Uh, by the way if you know the story they were not at brother George they were not at the foot of his cross saying Jesus we're sorry Jesus we're sorry for the whipping we're sorry for the spit we're sorry for the scourging we're sorry them crowns of thorns have stuck that in your face and we're, we're sorry that our fingernails are filled with the little hairs that came off of your cheeks no they, they weren't there apologizing for the cross they were cursing and swearing at the very God of heaven who loved them so much that he died for them they've asked for nothing, they've asked for nothing, but here he stands in the most hurtful, darkest hour of his life, and he doesn't smell like anger, and he doesn't smell like revenge, and he doesn't smell like wrath, and he doesn't smell like bitterness. In fact, the Bible said he's a sweet-smelling savior, and he utters from that cross the sweetest words that mankind has ever heard, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You say, but he was special. He sure was. But guess what this special person did for you that special hour? (laughs) You trusted him as your savior. Anybody know? This special person stepped inside of you He lives in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. You say, wave at the Lord. Somebody said, he's above us, better than that. He's beneath us, it's better than that. He's before us, it's better than that. He's behind us, it's better than that. He's for us, it's better than that. He is with us, it's better than that. He is through us. It's better than that. You say, oh, Brother Joe, what could be better than God above me and God beneath me and God before me and God beside me and God behind me and God with me and God all around me. I'll tell you what's better than that, God in you, Christ in you, love in you, forgiveness in you, special in you, the same Savior that smelt a sweet-smelling savor in the darkest hour of his life. He lives in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. I was preaching this the other night, and this fella came to me and he said, I don't have any confidence in people who've doubted and worried and fretted. I said, I don't have any confidence in people who've lied about not being afraid, doubted, and fretted. <laughs> Ain't we having fun on Lakeview Drive tonight? I don't have a problem with people that's been discouraged because the Bible doesn't say no discouraged people shall inherit the kingdom of God but it said them liars can't get in there. People who are doubtful and fearful and discouraged, they don't bother me near as bad as liars and if you look at me tonight and tell me you've never been discouraged, you've never doubted, you've never questioned, you telling a big one And I don't mean the itty You say, what's itty That's Halifax County talk for something small. (laughs) That's the biggest whopping lie you've ever told anybody yourself. And you and the devil is the only one that believes that. You say, I'll tell you right now, I don't believe a real Christian and I don't believe a real person and I don't believe a real good, godly, dedicated child of God would even say why. You're gonna be sorry you brought that up. Because this man I'm telling you about that's perfect and whole and divine and pure that prayed for your forgiveness of mine in the most hurtful, darkest hour of his life, remember him? His name's Jesus, remember him? Well, guess what he said from that cross in the darkest hour of his life? Why? My God, my God, why? Why? And I never read where God answered his question from that cross. But when you come to Hebrews chapter number two, God answered his questions. The Bible said in Hebrews chapter two through the very death of the mediator of the New Testament, which is Jesus, who's the better sacrifice, established upon a better covenant, that He might bring us better promises, give us a better hope, a better resurrection, and find a better way. Because He's better than Moses, He's better than Aaron, He's better than the angels, He's better than the prophets, He's better than the best, higher than the highest, greater than the greatest. Yes. And it's said through the death of the mediator of the New Testament. He was bringing, read Hebrews 2, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man, by bringing many sons into glory. By bringing many sons into glory. Here's what I believe that means. I believe every time an old sinner, whether it's in Georgia or North Carolina or one of them other wicked states, I mean, especially Virginia. You, you know if somebody from Virginia can be saved, there's help from somebody even in California. Can I get a witness? Oh, I believe every time an old sinner from Frog Level to Pennsylvania Avenue says, oh, God, save me. I'm trusting the blood of Christ and he becomes a child of God. I believe the father looks over at the son and says... That's why, that's why, that's why. And God may not answer your question till you get to heaven, but when you walk on the streets of gold and see the face of the king, you'll be so glad to be there, you won't have any questions. I'm gonna tell you through the power of God and the blood of Christ and the Holy Spirit and the word of God, you can go through the fire and not smell like anger and bitterness, and revenge. I'm hurrying. Last year, when I came here, Lou Rossi came to help. He preached on Tuesday. But I got his offering while he wasn't looking. And I got paid for all three nights. Now you're gonna go tell Lou what happened. I left here in July and a couple of months later, September, I was preaching for Brother Lou at his church in Maryland. You know, I don't understand it. God lets me preach all over the world and a lot of places I go except around here. I have to take an interpreter. Isn't it a shame that the average person in America don't understand our way of life? You know what I mean, Brother? And Brother Lou and I went out to church one night. You know, I don't open up to a lot of people. But boy, God was at that table that night, and I just opened up to Lou, and Lou opened up to me, and many of them both had been through enough to, to kill seven people. Some hurtful stuff, man. And I was sharing with him what we'd been going through for over three years, almost four. And Lou Ross, he looked at me, Brother Coburnack, with a tear in his eye. And he said, Joe, I'm glad you, you told me all of that. Because now I know to pray for you. I said, well, I was hoping you was praying for me before now. He said, I was, but now I know how to pray specifically for you. And he said, but I'm shocked. And I said, Lou, what are you shocked about? He said, that you've gone through all of that. I said, Lou, I ain't no better than nobody else. He said, I don't mean that. He said, Joe, you may not know this, but I follow you. I read where you're gonna be preaching and I'll pull you up on the computer. I'll find out where you're gonna be preaching, here or there, and I just pull you up and, and watch you. And I said, Lou, you must have a boring life if all you have to do is follow me and watch me preach. He said, you bless me, brother, you bless me. He said, I've watched you preach these last, at that time, three and a half years. He said, I would have never known you'd been walking through all of that. He said, because it don't come out in your preaching you don't smell like smoke, son. God birthed that message in my heart sitting at that table. He said, son, a lot of preachers that's been through what you've been through, they're mean. They're arrogant. They're condescending. They're vulgar. They take it out on others when they're preaching their own anger and frustration." And he said, Joe, I'm sorry you've had to go through that, but I'm here to tell you, you don't smell like smoke. I went to my motel room and I buried my face in a pillow and I said, oh God, please. No matter how deep that valley, how hurtful that thorn, how high that mountain, don't ever let bitterness and anger and revenge overcloud the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, people all over America, they're hurting, they're discouraged. The devil's beating the fire out of them and they don't need any more bitterness and anger and hatefulness and revenge. They need to smell the love of God and the grace of God and the glory of God and the hope of God and the victory that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. I left that meeting and the very next meeting I went to, I met a pastor. He said, Brother Joe, something I'm glad you're here. He said, I had a man booked for revival not long ago, but I had to counsel him. I was following him where he was preaching and I've never heard such anger and bitterness and sourness. And I called him on the phone. I said, listen, I love you, my brother, and maybe you can come some other time But I don't want that spirit of bitterness and anger and hatefulness and revenge. at our church, it will grieve the Holy Spirit. You've got to quit taking out on all the churches in America the hurt that you've had in your church. And when you can get sweet again and kind again and gracious again and baptized in perfect love again, maybe you can come back. And I thought, oh God, may my phone never ring By the help of God Almighty, may no preacher's phone ever ring and say, don't come and preach here because you smell bitter, you smell angry. You smell like revenge and you're taking it out on everybody around you. Let me to you moms and dads, your kids have enough to deal with without bitterness and revenge and anger coming out of your mouth and children, your parents have enough pressure on them in these last days to smell the anger and the hatred and the revenge coming out of our mouth. Listen, God is good and the Bible is good and Jesus is real and if we walk with him and let him lead our lives, it hurts, it's bad, it's embarrassing, it don't feel good, but through the help of God we can go through the fire and not smell like smoke. And you say, well, what do you think the secret was in this text? Well, I'm glad you ask. The word midst is mentioned three times Three times in Daniel three, amen. Mitts. Now, what does mitz mean? It's an old English word for smack dab in the middle. And the Bible is filled with mitts. God is in the midst of her. We're two or three guys. They're in the midst. Jesus stood in the midst of the four and elders. Mitts. But there are three mitts in Daniel three. Number one, the Bible said they threw them in the midst of the fire. That means they threw them smack down in the middle of the fire. That means there was fire above them, fire beneath them, fire beside them, fire around them, fire all around. They were in the midst of the fire. The last time it's mentioned, it says they came forth out of the midst of the fire. Oh, but that second midst, the Bible said that king got up early that next morning. Don't you just like it when the Lord whoops the devil again? And he goes to the door of that fiery furnace and he says, yo, hey, come here just a minute. Somebody help me. Y'all remember yesterday? Did I not throw three men in that fire? Yeah, old king. He said, y'all count. I must be seeing something because I see more than three. I see, and I believe he said it just like this, I see foe, I don't believe he said four, I believe he said foe. I see four men in the fire and they're loose, Their bonds are broken, and they're walking in the midst of the fire, and I recognize the first three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that fourth one, I'm not really sure what his name is but the form of that fourth is like unto the Son of God. Here it is. You know how they went through that fire and didn't smell like smoke? They had a lily and a rose in there. Let me see if I can illustrate my point. Will the two Nathans please come forth? Big Nathan, little Nathan. Purdy Nathan, oh. I was talking about you, oh. okay. What's your name, son? <laughs> he ain't lying. He's not lying. Will the third Nathan please come forth? <laughs> uh, any of you girls named Nathan? <laughs> Have we got a Natalie? You're kidding. Oh, Joseph's future wife. Praise. Woo! I feel something. Come on, boys. Form a circle right here. I'm in the midst. I'm in the midst. I'm in the midst of the fire. I feel like Jesus. I'm around a bunch of thieves. Y'all pray for me. Let me tell you something, boys. If I'm in the midst and I smell like roses and lilies, they're gonna smell like roses and lilies. Amen. They're walking in the midst of the fire. They're walking around in the fire. There's no hurt. They're having a jubilee down in that fire. They're having church services in that fire. I don't know if they're gonna keep up with me or not, <laughs> but, but we in the midst I'm gonna rub off on them. If I smell like a rose and a lily, they're gonna come out smelling like a rose and a lily. You know why they didn't stink like anger? Thank you all. Can we give all the Nates a hand tonight? Oh, can I tell you something? The reason why they didn't smell like mean, bitter, and angry, and hateful. They didn't smell like smoke. They had walked so close to the rose of Sharon, and the lily of the valley, and the sweet-smelling Savior. They had an odor eater in there. And I'm telling all of us tonight, if we'll stay close to our Savior will smell too much like him Them to smell like the smoke of the fire. I'm closing now. Pastor, come on. Piano player, come on. I got two more seconds. You say, don't... Preacher, I appreciate that message, but you're too late for me, I done smelt like it. I done fell down there and all in it. Well, there's hope for you. Because after I, brother, ask you, after I went to that burn barrel and smelt terrible, my mom would have supper ready. And she'd say, you wash up, get all that smoke off of you and come on in the house and eat Supper. And tonight, why don't you let the Holy Spirit take the word of God and the forgiveness of Jesus and give you a good bath and wash all of that anger and that resentment and that revenge and that bitterness out of you so you can smell like Jesus instead of like the smoke.